evening, everyone. It's my pleasure to be with you this evening. As Mike mentioned, my name is Dan. Uh, and I did grow up in Minnesota. I was there for the first 18 years of my life. Uh, and then I headed out to Southern California for college. Um, it seems that the allure of the ocean and 12 months of summer was enough to pry me away from my beloved homeland. Uh, but apparently the Midwest still had plans for me because here I am uh, living in Chicago, uh, often thinking, wow, these winters are longer than I remember them being. Um, but I guess that's what it is. Two years ago this May, uh, my wife Lindsay and I graduated from college and we were planning on getting married a month later. We were engaged at the time, and uh, we knew that after we got married, we would be moving here. So we had to figure out how to get our stuff from California back to the Midwest. So the, the best solution that we could come up with was for my dad and I to put all of my stuff and all of Lindsay's stuff in our car and to drive it back. Um, so we packed everything that we could into our one little sedan, um, and we, we sold or gave away everything that didn't fit. And my dad and I, the day after graduation, we hit the road with me in the driver's seat. Uh, fortunately, we had, we had pretty nice weather for most of the time. Uh, it, was, it was a long drive. It took a couple days. And for pretty much all, except for a couple hours, the weather was great. But unfortunately, as seems to happen, the bad weather hit as we were crossing the mountains in Utah. Uh, and it, it was raining out, not terrible, but it started to get harder. And as we continued to, to go further into the mountains, we got higher, the weather got colder, and uh, I was pretty sure that the roads were starting to get a little bit icy. The wind was blowing strong through these mountain passes, and the roads were winding back and forth. And had we slipped off the road, we would have been falling a long ways to the bottom of this mountain. Being from Minnesota, I'm, I'm not particularly used to driving through the mountains, especially on icy roads. So as we, as we were driving along, I started getting a little bit nervous. Uh, I, I started worrying that I was going to lose control, that I was going to slip off the road. And actually, if it wasn't for one thing, one factor, I'm not sure what I would have done. But that was this, the car in front of me. As I looked forward, I could see the taillights of the car in front of me. And I focused my attention on those taillights. I focused my attention on that car. And when he sped up, I would speed up. When I saw his brake lights, I would slow down. When he would start to turn, I would start to turn. I had my attention fixed on him. And this whole time, I was sitting straight up in my seat with my hands fixed on the steering wheel. And we, I had turned off the music, and I had stopped talking with my dad, and I was just focusing on this car, trying to block out all other distractions, because I knew that if I didn't, I might be in trouble. Well, tonight, we're going to look at a passage from Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3, and what we find in this passage is quite similar to what I discovered as I drove on that mountain road. We find that if we as Christians are going to make it, if we're going to successfully face the trials and the temptations that are often far too familiar, we must fix our eyes on Jesus. We must focus our attention on him. We must block out all other distractions. We must get rid of everything that might keep us from walking with him, and we must keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. So before we jump into our passage, let me pray for us. 
Heavenly Father, as we come before you now, we do so with humility, acknowledging that, that you are God and that we are not, that you are, are all-sufficient and all-powerful, and yet you've chosen to reveal yourself to us through your Son and through your Word. So as we turn to your Word, Lord, we submit ourselves to its authority. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak your words through me and that you would give us ears to hear the message that you have. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, and if you'd prefer, the words will be on the screen behind me as we work our way through this passage. You probably noticed as Mike was reading the passage earlier that there's this metaphor that runs throughout these three verses. This metaphor that the author gives for us as Christians. And this metaphor is that we are runners in a race. Uh, and uh, th this is a pretty common metaphor that we see throughout the New Testament. But tonight, as we look at Hebrews 12... We're going to look at two different things. One, we're going to look at the nature of this race. What is this race like? What is it all about? And second, we're going to look at the key to running with success. So first, the nature of the race. What is this race and what is it all about? Well, let me give you, let me make three observations. The first observation is that the race is about faith. We as runners in the race are those who exercise faith. Right? We are those who, who put our faith in God. Now, this is a little bit counterintuitive because when we think about a race, when we think about a physical race, we think about effort, right? A physical race is about who has trained the hardest and who has pushed themselves the farthest. It, it really measures our effort. But the race in Hebrew 12 isn't measuring our effort. It's measuring our faith. And, and we know this because of what comes just before this passage. So our passage the first word is therefore. It starts with therefore, which it's showing that what he's about to say, what the author's about to say, was based on what he just said. So we look back to chapter 11. And what we find is this great chapter in Scripture, often referred to as the Hall of Faith. And in this chapter, the great heroes of the Bible, the great heroes of the Old Testament, are listed as exemplars of faith. It mentions Noah, for example, who, who built this massive ark, because God told him that he was sending a flood to judge the world. And despite the mocking of his neighbors, he continued to build this ark, trusting that God would keep his promise. It also mentions Abraham, who when God called him, he left his home, not knowing where he was going, but trusting in the promises of God. And, and Abraham was even willing to offer up his son Isaac, his only son, still trusting that somehow God would keep his promise of giving Abraham many descendants and making him a great nation. Another person that it mentions in, is Moses. Moses left Egypt after, being the, after growing up there, but then he returned when God called him back to help his, to lead his people out of slavery to the Egyptians. He also led his people in the first Passover, where they painted blood over the door frames of their houses, trusting that that night when God sent uh, the angel of death, the, the angel would pass over their homes that had the blood painted on the doorposts because Moses believed that God would keep his promise. And many more people are mentioned in this passage, many great exemplars of faith from the Old Testament. And, and their, faith, their faith was demonstrated by their obedience to God. This is the thing we saw over and over. These people are trusting God, that he is going to fulfill his promises 
and they're obedient to his commands because of that. So when we look at chapter 11, we get somewhat of, of a definition of faith, something to help us understand what this race is about. Right? And the, the definition that we can see from these examples is that faith is responding to God's promises with belief and obedience. It's responding to the things that God has promised by believing them and by obeying his commands because of that. So when we get to chapter 12, verse 1, and we see therefore, we know that he's talking about all these things that he's just said, right? these examples of faith. But then he goes on and he says, since we have been surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, this is the point where the author begins the athletic metaphor, this metaphor of a race. Because what he is picturing here with this cloud of witnesses is like an athletic stadium filled with people. And all of those people in this stadium looking down at this race, these are the people from chapter 11. These are, are these exemplars of faith, these people who had great faith in God. And they surround us as a cloud of witnesses. Not, not so that they can cheer us on, but so that we can be encouraged and challenged by the faith of those who have gone before us. So uh, we see that my first observation, that, that the race is about faith. It's a race of faith. The second observation that I want to make is that there are obstacles along the way. These obstacles are the things in our life that are harmful to our faith. The, the things that keep us from walking faithfully with God. Continuing the race metaphor, the author urges us to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. When, when runners are preparing to run a race, we know that they, they try to strip themselves of anything that's going to slow them down, anything that might hurt them from running well. And if you've been around various types of athletic competitions in your life, then you're, you're familiar with this idea. So take, for example... Uh, the, the outfit of a runner compared to the outfit of a golfer. Now, I, I play golf. I love golf. But golfers are not primarily concerned with things like speed and agility. Right? And we can see that in the way that they dress. So once last spring, uh, I went out to play golf with some friends. And uh, it was kind of a cold and rainy day, as we sometimes get here in Chicago in the spring. So I dressed in long pants and a windshirt and a hat, and I made sure that I was carrying my golf umbrella with me because I didn't want to be caught in the rain. And that turned out to be a very good choice that day because it, the weather was not, not great. Um, so, but, but when was the last time that you were watching a race and you saw somebody dressed in pants and a long shirt and a hat and carrying an umbrella? Right? We, don't, we don't see runners like that. Now, maybe if you're watching a race in Chicago between... November and March. Perhaps you saw something like that, probably without the umbrella. But the point is, that's not, the, that's not the, the typical attire of runners, right? Runners seek to strip themselves of anything that might hinder them from running well. And this is what we must do in our lives. As we seek to follow Jesus, as we seek to run this race of faith, we need to look for these hindrances, these sins that keep us from walking faithfully with God. Now, these might be uh, explicit, obvious sins, right? It, it could be something like uh, sexual immorality or uh, drunkenness or, or tax fraud, things like this. That's included in this. It also includes more subtle things like a lustful heart, uh, 
like lips that, that speak deceit or that spread gossip, right? These are maybe more subtle things that are included in this. But what the author's talking about, it, it also includes this, this thing that he calls hindrances, right? And these might be things that aren't necessarily sinful in and of themselves. They're not inherently sinful, but they're things that keep us from walking with God as we ought to. So let me, let me give you an example. There's, there's nothing inherently wrong with waking up and the first thing in the morning, sitting down to read your morning newspaper. There's nothing wrong with that. There's many wonderful people of faith that start their day just like that every day, I'm sure. But if waking up and reading your newspaper first thing in the morning causes you to worry about the uncertainty in the economy, or perhaps it causes you to, to covet the lifestyles of the celebrities that you're reading about, or to maybe doubt the sovereignty of God in light of the gross amounts of evil that we read about every day. Or perhaps it just shifts your focus off of God, from thinking about the things of God to thinking about the things of the world. Well, if that's the case, maybe your newspaper reading schedule is something that you need to throw off. Right? This is not something that's inherently sinful, but it might be something that's keeping you from walking faithfully with God. Now, that's just one example. There's lots of other things in our lives that could fit this category, things that are not necessarily inherently sinful, but that keep us from walking with God. So let's, let's search our hearts, right? Let's examine our lives. Let's look for, for these sins, for these hindrances that keep us from walking faithfully with God. And as the writer says, let's, let's throw them off. Let's throw them off so that we can run this race well. My third observation is that, about the nature of, of, the nature of this race, is that the, the race is about endurance. It's a race of perseverance. The exhortation at the end of verse 1 is to run with perseverance, to run with endurance, the race that is marked out for us. What determines our success in this race, according to this verse, is not the speed with which we run. Right? It's, it's the fact that we persevere to the end. What's important is, is finishing the race. It's crossing the finish line. That's what really counts. The Christian life, the life of faith, it's not a sprint. Right? This, isn't, this isn't a short, fast race. This is a long, long race. 20, 40, 60, 80 years, perhaps more. <laughs> That's a long race. The, the Christian race the Christian life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. So then, the Christian life is not just about having faith, like we talked about earlier. It's about having a faith that endures, a faith that lasts, a faith that you can hold on to through years and years of life's ups and downs, through the good times and the bad times, right? through trials, through struggles, through joys, the, the race, the, the way that we run the race well is by running with perseverance, running with endurance. It's not about speed. It's about finishing the race. It's about crossing that finish line. So, so far we've seen that the race is about faith, that there's obstacles along the way, and that it's a race of perseverance. But 
how, how, do we, how do we make sure that we persevere until the end, right? Knowing that this is a race of faith, that there's obstacles along the way, how do we ensure that we are persevering to the end of this race, that we will cross the finish line? Well, we see the answer in verse 2. And the answer is we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We focus on him. We block out all of the distractions. Just like when I was on that icy mountain road, I turned off the radio. I stopped talking with my dad. I wasn't looking at the beautiful mountains around me. I was focused on that car. So too, in this race that we're running, we must keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We must focus on him. The way that verse 2 puts it is to, to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. Now, Jesus as pioneer is the one who has gone before us in this race of faith, showing us the way of faith. Jesus is the perfect example of faith. He is not just an example of faith. He is the example of faith. He's the only one who has ever lived a life of perfect faith, a challenging life, life with, with struggles, with temptations, and persevered to the end with perfect and complete faith. He's the only one. And even though we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, right, these people in the grandstands looking down, we don't focus on them. Even though they're wonderful examples, we don't focus on them. We focus on Christ because Christ is the perfect example. I hope and I pray that each one of us in this room have mature believers in our lives, men and women of great faith who we look up to and seek to emulate in our lives. I have some of these people in my life, and I thank God for them. But these men and women are just that. They're men and women. They're, they're sinful, fallen human beings with imperfect faith. So I hope that we can be encouraged by the times that we see them succeeding, all the while looking to Jesus, focusing on Jesus, because he is the supreme example of faith. So we look to him as an example so that we can follow him in a life of faith, even in our weakness. Well, Jesus is not only the, the pioneer of faith, we see that he's also the perfecter of faith. That is, Jesus is the one who brings faith to its most perfect and complete expression. In, in Jesus, we see, we see a faith that has been completed, that has been perfected. It was on the cross that Jesus brought faith to his fullest expression. It was on the cross that Jesus displayed his perfect faith. In the Garden of Gethsemane, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he knelt down and he prayed to the Father. He said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then it goes on, and it says, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus knew what lay before him. He knew that he was about to die the most excruciating death, the most humiliating death possible, death on a Roman cross. 
Far worse, he knew that on the cross, he would bear the sin and the guilt of the world. And that for the first time from eternity past, he would be separated from the presence of the Father. And yet as he sat there in the garden, just hours before his arrest, he found himself in this this deep agony, longing for another way. You see, it it was not too late at that point for Jesus to turn back. He hadn't been arrested yet. He could have gotten away. He could have escaped. He could have fled Jerusalem and never come back. But he didn't do that. And when we look at Hebrews 2, it tells us that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Now, this doesn't mean that Jesus enjoyed his time on the cross, that he was having fun somehow while he was up there suffering for our sins. That's not what it's saying. But Jesus was able to look beyond his suffering on the cross and to see what lie on the other side. He knew that the cross was the only way to bring reconciliation between God and man. He knew that the cross was to be the fulfillment of all of God's promises to his people. So, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Have you ever endured extreme hardship? Have you ever experienced great suffering? I'm quite sure that you have at some point, and if not, it may be coming soon. Have you ever been angry with God because of your suffering? Have you ever felt like maybe God had abandoned you in the midst of your hardest times? If you have, look to Jesus. Jesus is our example of perfect faith in the midst of intense, intense suffering. After Jesus endured the cross, he was vindicated. God raised him from the dead, and he is now seated at the right hand of the Father, reigning in power. In the end, God vindicated his son. He raised him up from the dead, replacing the shame of the cross, the utter humiliation of the cross, with the glory of the risen son, the Redeemer. So let us, let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. In verse 3, we find one final command. It says to consider, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. The life of faith is a race of endurance. We've seen that. It's it's a long road. It's a long journey, and it's full of, of hardships. It's full of difficulties. At this point, you, you may feel tired and weary. You might feel so tired that, that the thought of crossing the finish line seems, seems impossible. It seems like it's never going to come. Maybe, maybe you're thinking about turning away. It's just too hard. If that's you tonight, consider Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. Our example of faith in the midst of extreme trials.
maybe tonight you're not feeling particularly weary. Maybe you feel like you're running at a good clip, that, that, that things are going well for you. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. Consider Jesus. Still, consider Jesus. Look to him. Keep your attention fixed on him because life brings all these things that try to distract us, that try to, to lead us away from Jesus down another path, that try to slow us up, to try to, that try to trip us up. Keep our eyes on Jesus. When you do, you will find strength. Strength to press on to the end so that you may cross the finish line. I want to conclude with one final story. Horatio Spafford was born in New York in 1828. After moving to Chicago, he married his wife Anna in 1861. And things seemed to be going quite well for this couple. Right? He was a lawyer here in Chicago, and uh, he was growing both in wealth and in esteem in the city. People, people looked up to him. They came to him uh, when, they, when they knew they needed a good lawyer. And, and his career was going quite well. However, in 1870, things started to change for Spafford and his family when their four-year-old son died of pneumonia. A year later, the great Chicago fire came through the city, destroying most of what Horatio had, had worked so hard to build up. But the hardest trial came two years later. Horatio had decided to take his family on a vacation to Europe. Before they were getting ready to go, some business stuff came up for him. He was delayed a little bit, but he sent his wife Anna and his four daughters on the trip ahead of him, on a boat to cross the Atlantic, while he stayed back to take care of some business matters. Well, while they were on the ship crossing the Atlantic, their ship collided with another ship, and both ships sunk. Many people were killed, including Horatio's four, da four daughters. His wife, Anna, survived. Spafford, soon after, was informed of what had happened. And he got on a ship himself to cross the Atlantic to be with his wife and to mourn the loss of his four daughters. As he was on this ship, sailing over the same waters that took the lives of his precious daughters, he penned the words to the now famous hymn, It is well with my soul. Listen to the words that he wrote on that journey. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and shed his own blood for my soul. For me, be it Christ, be it Christ hence to live, if Jordan above, above me shall roll. No pain shall be mine, for in death as in life, thou wilt, thou wilt whisper thy peace to my soul. To be able to write words like that on this journey across the Atlantic, across these, these waters that had taken the lives of his daughters, to be able to write these words at a time like that shows 
immense faith. Faith in the midst of terribly trying times. So in Horatio Spafford, we have an example of faith that endures after facing many trials. This type of faith, this faith that we see in Horatio, can only be possible when we fix our eyes on Jesus, when we look to him, when we block out all other distractions, when we throw off every hindrance, when we get rid of all of the sin that entangles, only then is this type of faith possible. And so I urge you, in the midst of life's difficult circumstances, in the, in the midst of life's joyful times as well, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus so that you can run the race with endurance and that you can cross the finish line when the end comes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we recognize that we are in this race and, and sometimes we, we would like it to be about our effort because we feel more in control, but Lord, it's about our faith, our faith in you. We ask, Lord, that today you would strengthen our faith, that you would help us to fix our eyes on your son, Jesus. And that as we do so, we would be throwing off the things that keep us from walking faithfully with you. Lord, I ask that, that tonight we would leave this place encouraged that you are, are sufficient in all of the situations that we face in life, both the good and the bad. And we, we just declare here that, that you are the Lord, and we humbly ask that you would help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus as we seek to endure this race of faith. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Dan.